Hello and welcome to the Fight and Flight podcast. This is your host, Stefan Sullen speaking. Hope everyone's doing okay. Welcome to the first episode. Me and my co-host, Oliver Cochrane, will be going over really everything. Jets, rumors, uh, signings, our speculation, and just, you know, anything and everything Jets related. But before we get into that, we're going to do a quick introduction. All right. Um, I guess I'll start. I am Oliver Cochran. Um, I am currently um, a high school senior in Saratoga Springs, New York. Um, I would say I'm a Jet fan since around 2017, 2018 is when I first started following them. And maybe I'll give a favorite player and I'm going to say Michael Carter, the running back. Yeah, clarify it these days. Uh, the Jets just love uh, doubling down on names. You know, although that one was especially impressive. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and so, hi, I'm Stefan Stelling. I'm an engineer in Rhode Island. I grew up in Long Island. I've been a Jets fan my entire life. Although, after 2015, when I graduated, I started watching a lot more because, you know, I wasn't playing. My favorite player... This is a bit of a controversial pick, but uh, Mackay Becton. And uh, I don't know if we'll get to it today, but if you uh, keep listening to this show, you'll hear why uh, he's my favorite player. Shouldn't be as controversial as it might be. I'll say really? That. It should not be, but it's a word. You know, how much can change in a year? Oh, Indeed. No, I still can't go over to that he's the sixth ranked tackle going into twenty twenty one. Yeah, by both uh, NFL executives, coaches, scouts, and players. Yeah, I mean, you just look at what he did in year one, and you think about what could have been last year. Greg Van Roten uh, didn't get bulldozed into his knee, which is obviously a precursor for how the rest of the season went for Van Roten. Honestly, he should he should have been cut for that alone. I was surprised he uh, lasted as long as he did, but uh, finally got released yesterday after we reclaimed Nate Herberg. Or I'm not mm-hmm. sure, 100% sure. Herberg, I think. Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, no, that was a big move, but we'll get into all that later. Let's, uh, let's start at the most important place, the 2022 NFL draft. What a draft it was for New York. Joe Douglas had one of the best uh, day ones I've ever seen in a draft. Yeah, I mean, it was everything you wanted and then some. And that comes back to, I mean, there was quite a few directions that, I mean, this draft really could have gone um, between edge, wide receiver, and then obviously that top cornerback talent that was sitting there between Sauce and Stingley. And I think hitting with two of those elite talents at just 4-10 and 10 would have been enough. But then obviously you get into the events that unfolded, you know, end of the first round, top of the second with Johnson and Hall. It's it's really just more than you would have ever expected. Yeah, now that yeah, really I I think every Jets fan could agree you could not have you could not have dreamt a better draft class than this. You may not agree who was the best wide receiver, who was the best corner, who was the best defensive end, or I who was the best running back if you uh even were thinking in that direction. But you definitely – I don't think anyone could be upset with the haul the Jets got. Yeah, definitely. And I guess it would be smart to start at the top with um, Ahmad Sauce Gardner at number four, which I think, um, at least from my point of view, like this was a guy who really I don't think anybody expected to be the pick at four until, you know, right up – it was probably like in the 24 hours before the draft, you started seeing those leaks of Jets love sauce. Jets are going to take sauce. And it's, you know, it, it's hard to put stock into that kind of stuff. But, I mean, for me, he's just like a, a great overall prospect. You really can't find many holes in his resume. Um, I can't think of anybody who really didn't want him from a talent standpoint. That just comes back to um, – saw his philosophy of you know edge versus the back end pressure versus coverage and I think it was generally shocking because who would have expected him to take sauce at four with um, Bryce Hall and Eccles as your starters all last year with no 
veteran or you know elite addition so that was definitely crazy but I mean he's got a great mix of length and size um, I know Nania over at Jets X Factor was talking about it like there's never been a corner built like him that's played in the NFL before which is you know obviously a very exciting idea uh, but I mean overall I, I love the pick yeah I absolutely love the pick I love the player to me I really thought he was the best player in the entire draft between his just dominant college production. His dominant college production was enough for me to love him, but then he crushed at the combine, put just with great length, great size, and flashing that uh, four four speed. That was yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a lot faster than uh, we were expecting him to go. But no, I, I love him. I agree. There's really not a lot of holes in his game. People. He's uh very, he's very good in man, and some people said he wasn't a great fit for the jet scheme. But jet, Jets run a lot of man man coverage on third down, and he's perfect for that. And it's not like he's bad at zone; he's still one of the best in college. Yeah, definitely. And I think even you know the whole man versus zone argument. He he can play both great, and I'm not really worried about you know scheme fit for a guy like Sauce, but when you look at last year and the defense, which obviously was, you know, atrocious aside from, you know, maybe the first few weeks, first third of the season, it actually wasn't terrible. I was so yeah, We had a good first four weeks, actually defense, the defensive line was looking good, but mm-hmm. is after, after that is very quickly all downhill. But how many times it was really all year of a, a bender, bend don't break defense. So how many times on, third down where the Jets in third and, you know, five plus and just got beat every time. And it was just these long, awful drives. I think it was the Philly game where, what was it, Zach Wilson uh, went between his two drives and it took like an hour and a half or two hours? I, th- I think it was longer because he basically – he had uh, we had halftime. He threw like wh- – I think we ran it twice for no yards. He threw it once incomplete. Next time, they ran it once, threw it twice, both incomplete. And then it's just t- three very long Philly drives. Yeah. I think it was over. I think it was over two hours. I feel honestly, it's like being close to three, mm-hmm. where he only threw like five total pass attempts. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah. So if you can get a guy like Sauce who can actually help you get off the field on third down. I mean, that's a win because that was arguably where the Jets struggled the most as much as they were bad across the board. Yeah, I, I love sauce. I just want to just, I just want to say some of this, do a quick uh, stat dump right now because it's just outstanding. Mm-hmm. Over a thousand career coverage snaps, zero touchdowns allowed in his career in 2021. Despite being targeted over 40 times in the red zone, he did not allow a single reception. Even against, uh, Jameson William, who many considered the best wide receiver in the draft. He only allowed one catch on three targets for negative four yards. And this is with a Heisman winning uh, Bryce, Bryce Young as his quarterback. Like, he, he was dominant. He was one. To me, there's no debate who was the best cornerback in this draft. The only real debate with Gardner for me is if he was the best uh, corner prospect in the last, like, seven years, or at least since Jalen Ramsey. I mean, yeah, I, he's he's really that good, and I'm I'm definitely happy the Jets took him because I'll I'll be honest, like when that was the pick at four, I was like, kind of lukewarm. I was like, oh, because I guess I wasn't really expecting that, nor were a lot of people. But as the draft developed, like it just Joe Douglas had a plan, and it came together very nicely, and it ultimately made it just a fantastic pick. Yeah, he he really yeah. Um... I was I was not expecting it. I was I was hoping we'd actually uh I was hoping for uh, Sauce or uh, David Oaks. I'm uh, happy with how it worked out, and I'm getting Johnson later. But yeah, no, I was excited because I was I was really worried that we're gonna select like Wonu and oh, uh, yeah. trade Mackay back. Then that was that was my big fear. Yeah, I, Twitter would have been a very uh, hellish place if that went down. I'm glad it didn't. Yeah, and I'm very thankful. I have a lot of faith in Becton, and while Kwonu's a great player, I think Becton could be a legitimate Hall of Fame player, so I do not mm-hmm. want to move on anytime soon. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so with Sauce at four, we move on to pick 10, which honestly was a pick I think a lot of people expected to be traded because um, there was a lot of different directions you could have went. But Drake London went off, I believe, at eight to the Falcons. So many were uh, rumoring that was the Jets' number one receiver target was you know London at 10, London at 10. But London goes off the board at eight to the Falcons. Many were rumoring him to be the Jets' number one pick at receiver. Um, but then I know I was a big Garrett Wilson fan, and I was actually very happy they went with him at 10. Um, he, he just – I think he could very well be the best wide receiver in the draft. He has great vertical. You see him make those leaping catches over defensive backs like this guy is yeah. the real deal. And while he may not be like an incredible prospect like Jamar Chase – like, he's got all the tools in a lot of different areas that he could really be a special guy going forward. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely a very good player. Honestly, I, I was surprised by the pick as well. I I expected them to go with Drake London as uh, their top wide receiver when he was off the board. I, I was expecting a trade back. I've been writing articles for a few months talking about uh, trade scenarios, and the 10th overall pick was really where I thought it happened. In the last... Four, Prior to the 2022 draft, the four drafts before that is traded three times. So I really thought that was the spot, but definitely not upset. I was not the highest on Wilson coming into the process, but he's still a very good prospect. And just learning more about him, I'm definitely getting a lot more excited. Very, just someone that could kind of do everything well. He's a very good deep threat. He averaged a ridiculous 11 yards after the catch on uh, short passes. Just someone who's got that, you know, just that quick twitch, that speed, that acceleration to be able to stop and go. And especially that just kind of feel for space. Being able to know where the soft spots and the coverage is, just how to how to get away from the cornerback. Yeah, 100%. I, I definitely like the pick. Um, and I think that he will... Um, fit really nicely on this offense. I mean, he's really a do-it-all guy. Now you think about this offense with Berrios coming back on the two-year deal. Um, obviously, Elijah Moore in year two was going to be very exciting to watch. Um, you still have Corey Davis, but I mean, even just between Moore, um, Wilson, and Berrios, like, those are three guys who can literally do everything. They can hand the ball off, like, they can take handoffs, they can run, they can catch, they can really, like, it's really that LaFleur type of receiver that can just do it all. And from what I did hear, I can't confirm this, but I did hear that Wilson was also a solid blocker, which goes goes a long way in this uh, running scheme. So, I mean, he's really just a perfect fit, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. He's, he's definitely a very exciting receiver to watch. As you said, he just has – he has a ridiculous hops. That one catch versus uh, Darion Kendrick in Clemson when he was a freshman, his feet were over his head. It was ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's... Despite his heights, he's actually very good at in contested catch situations, partly due to that, you know, those hops. He has great body control, very good hands. He actually had a 62%, a 62% contested catch rate. So, so much for 50-50 balls. I mean, it looks like he's really a guy that can go and take those away. Yeah. The, I'm really excited about this receiving core. The just young combo of Wilson and Moore, two, two wide receivers that they could either play outside, they could play in the slot, they could take handoffs in the backfield. They're just, as you said, they're guys that you just need to get the ball in their hands and they'll make a play and just both of them are very young. Both of them will be on this team for a very long time. More, I'm extremely high, and I have very high expectations for more in year, in uh, year two. And I honestly think, in, uh, at least in 2022, I can't speak moving forward, but uh, I think more will emerge as the top target through uh, year two as Wilson takes some time to adjust. And here's to Joe Douglas for another name duo, <laughs> because why not? Clearly, yeah. Yeah. I know we have a lot a of analyzing trends over the past few weeks, and... And that's clearly one of them. Yeah. Uh, we will have to consider that in the future. He likes athletes, team captains, and people with the same name as someone, on the, as someone already on the roster. 
probably get a pretty good estimate on who he selects with each pick <laughs> by that. We'll definitely keep our eyes peeled next year. But um, so <clears throat> with Sauce and Wilson, you've got your picks at fourth, and many are like, "Well, I mean, the Jets done," and that would have been a great draft. I mean, I would have been happy with Sauce and yeah. Wilson. I know. Yeah, I think Edge everyone was. was I think everyone was happy, although I'd, I'd say I'd, I thought we were going to trade up. There's just there's just way too many players projected to go between the 20th and 40th pick that I knew Douglas wouldn't be able to resist. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw that after, you know, London, the first receiver off the board at eight, Jets go Wilson at 10. And then you really started to see the run on receivers right through the teens. I mean, you had Detroit trade all the way up for Jameson Williams um, you had the Saints Eagles trade for A.J. Brown. Saints traded up for Olave. So, I mean, there just goes receivers. Han like every went early, early, too. Mm-hmm. That's right, uh, to the to the commanders. Uh, but, I mean, receiver after receiver, and then here are these guys, um, Jermaine Johnson and George Karloftis, who were, I mean, really expected to be at least top 20 picks. Johnson yeah. was pretty much a consensus top 10 pick. Yeah, Kalaftis even earlier was top 10 pick as well. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Jermaine Johnson, from what we heard, was just, like, such a name to watch for the Jets. And they were really high on him. I mean, there was talk of him at four. Yeah, so, I was – yeah, I did not I, – I definitely could have believed he was slide. I was not expecting him to slide all the way to 26. Yeah, so, I mean, here comes Joe Douglas trading up with, I believe, the Titans up to 26. Yep, that um, we sent uh we sent our thirty fifth, the sixty ninth, and I believe the hundred sixty third pick to move up to uh the twenty sixth overall and we also got the hundred first pick back. That's right. That's right. So I mean I think I think that was pretty fair value and I think if you're one that who really follows the draft points charts, like it, it was a pretty fair trade overall. I thought it was good value. And yeah, it's very good this- value this top 10 edge talent in Jermaine Johnson who I mean will be an immediate starter on this team and I think that was a really savvy move by Joe Douglas. Yeah, Douglas honestly I've been very impressed by not only his uh, selections but really his feel for the draft. He's done an excellent job just feeling how far players uh, will slide when he's able to trade back and still get the player he wants or when or just how far how long he can wait to trade up. Because it was reported that he was ta- he was calling teams from basically the fifteenth pick all the way to the twenty sixth pick about trading up. I know. Uh, I think uh, PFF George, that guy, he uh, he berated Douglas for that. It's like he tried to trade up all the way up to fifteen for him. It's like what what an idiot. It's just like no. He called every team from fifteen to twenty six to see what it'd take to trade up and be if they were going to take them. It wasn't until the Buccaneers were the next pick who were widely expected to take Jermaine Johnson did uh, Joe Douglas finally trade up. And he got a, he gave up a very fair price to get there. He had the same thing with uh, the Brees Hall trade, hop, jumping uh, just ahead of the Houston Texans who were expected to select him. So he's done a very good job of just – reading how the draft is going to fall, where players are going to be selected, and just positioning position himself to take who he wants. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, you, you mentioned there uh, Brees Hall. So coming out of this first round, you know, Jets fans fired up. You've got CB1 pretty much, um, Garrett Wilson, who could be wide receiver one, and Jermaine Johnson, who will be your starting edge opposite of – Carl Lawson going into the season now 38 well I guess we were at 36 at the time but there were a lot of different directions uh, you could have went um I know there's chatter about trading down because obviously you traded away that second round pick moving or sorry excuse me uh 38 um yeah chatter about trading down because you gave away your other one in that trade up for Jermaine Johnson but they they hung tight and Brees Hall was a shocker pick but I'm really starting to love it you know, actually, I'm just going to walk us back real quick because we, di- we actually didn't really talk about Jermaine Johnson at all. <laughs> we just talked about uh, trading up for him, which, while good, let's focus on a player real quick. Just, as you said, we were, he was very much in the conversation at four and would have, we thought he was a lock at 10. 
but mm-hmm. he's still got great value at 26. He's an he's an excellent run defender, but as always, the most important thing is can he rush the passer? And uh, this past season, he had he had a very good year, 14 sacks. The however, there were some question marks. He had a relatively low pressure rate compared to how many sacks he got. And that was some people were concerned because that actually does translate fairly well to the NFL. But also, it's I feel good knowing that we have a guy that actually can convert pressures because for the past, what, seven years now, we've had guys that could get close to the quarterback, but guys like no one could sack him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, yeah, and he was definitely one of the guys that, you know, was talked about as a much more polished um player coming out of Florida State. He was the guy who really, you know, waited his turn back at Georgia, and then it all sort of came together in that last season. You know, I mean, there is, I guess if you want to put a knock on him, he's a bit older. Is he uh, 23, I believe? Yeah, I believe he's uh, he's an older 23. But, yeah, that, that is a knock. But also, you know, in the end, defensive ends nowadays are frequently playing into their early 30s. At the very least, they'll be able to play, play at a high level until 29's really where the end of their league play will really start. Mm-hmm. So even if the Jets, you know, even if he's a good, great player for six years, he's still easily worth uh, the pick. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, if you know anything about Salah, he loves to rotate his guys in and out. And so I know that he's going to be keeping – Johnson along with everybody in that room you know fresh like not really training his guys not not really like stretching them too thin and I think that also goes a long way for player longevity and I I think that's a really good thing you know Jets definitely have a very deep uh, edge room which I do want to talk about later but as you said Johnson definitely was actually one of the more polished players uh, on the at the edge position he had it arguably some of uh, the best pass rushing moves. Overall, just the, one of the better pass rushing ar- uh, arsenals in the draft. We saw a s- kind of similar player when in uh, the late 20s a while back. Very good uh, very good sack artist. You know, a little player named Chandler Jones that was a very big fan of the pick. Thought uh, he was very slept on. There was definitely some analysts even had him as high as, high as uh, the defense. The, some even argue that he's the best defensive end in the class. Most, at least, would. There's a lot more that you know had him at uh, the second best behind Hutchinson's bill, but yeah, there. Some people were very high on him. The only, the only big source I know that wasn't nearly on high on, on him was PFF, which I do like PFF, but just with all processes, they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, overall, a killer, killer first round for Joe Douglas. I mean, at least when I was thinking about it at the time, he would have to really mess up the last uh, the last few rounds to really, like, bring this draft down because that was far and away the best first round of any team, I think. Oh, um, yeah, that's, that was... that's taking off the green-tinted glasses. Yeah, no, as tough it is, it is to, you know, observe things objectively as a Jets fan. That was, that was just a great draft. He got, as you mentioned, he got the what many saw as the best cornerback in the draft, what many saw as the best uh, wide receiver in the draft, and a player that many saw as, at the at worst, the defensive end three or four in the draft, and some as held him as high as the best defensive end. So three very important positions in a Three of arguably the most important positions in the modern NFL outside of tackle and quarterback. We got three of the best players in it. So, and especially considering how big of a need all those positions were, you could not have. It was there. You really can't complain. It was a perfect draft, especially on day one. Right. So then you're coming into day two. A lot of different directions. If you wanted to look at needs. I mean, they really plugged their three biggest ones in the first round. So, I mean, from my point of view, I was looking at a linebacker. N'Kobe Dean was sitting there. Um, which yeah, I was expecting N'Kobe Dean. That went a very different direction. Um, and also a safety. Um, I believe Petra was still on the board. Um, but um, I, mean, I think he was picked just before us. Or just I before. Can't, 
I think uh, Traquan Brisker was uh, really the top name that I still left. I can't completely remember, but yeah, I agree. The, the, there are two names that are really connected to the Jets with 38 the most. Uh, linebacker Nicobe Dean and defensive tackle Travis Jones. Mm. But both of them end up going in uh, the mid-third round, so I'm going to give credit to more Douglas uh, – Give some more credit to Douglas on this that he, you know, he kind of knew how the draft was going to fall, saw that those, the rest of the league did not view those players in the same light and that they'd be available later. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, we didn't end up getting them. I'm still very happy with the pick of uh, running back Brees Hall out of Iowa State. I actually, I was, I discovered him about a week or so before the draft. I was just blown away just from uh, what I've seen about him, just from his dominant college career to his absurdly, his ridiculous uh, athletic measurables. When as soon as I discovered him, I actually wrote an article uh, that just on uh, that Friday before the day two started arguing for the Jets to select him at 38. I didn't think they were actually going to do it, but I thought he, he was just... This is really it, the simplest way to put it to me. He was the player on the board that could help Zach Wilson the most. That's as simple and, as it is. Yeah, and that's was I mean that's really been Joe Douglas's uh, philosophy like over the past two years. I mean, you go out and his first pick is a left tackle, um, his second pick is a wide receiver, which we know Mims hasn't exactly panned out, but the thoughts there. I mean, yeah. he it, drafts a first round wide receiver this year. He drafted yeah. Michael Carter last year, a very good um, running back, who I'm excited for you too. So he's really just, you know, yeah. throwing Elijah Moore out. and Elijah Vera Tucker as well. He spent mm-hmm. almost all of his pre- he spent almost all of his premium capital until this past year on the offense, and this mm-hmm. year he still his outside three of his first five picks were still on offense. Grant Wilson at ten, now Brees Hall at uh. 36 after we traded up for him, which uh, I do want to talk about Hallmark because he's a fantastic player. I think, uh, are you, honestly, if, if this was a few years ago, I think he would have been considered a generational prospect at running back, but they've just become so devalued in the NFL that no one cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, he's really a guy who, who does it all. He you know, can run people over. There's one highlight I just love. It was, um, it may have been a TCU game where he had just a killer spin move. Um, like this, he just is so agile, so powerful too. Like he does it all. He's a great pass catcher. Um, from what I've preliminarily seen, um, he's a good, uh, pass blocker as well, which obviously goes a long way, keeping the quarterback upright. Um, and uh, yeah, I just can't really find much to hate. It was a best player uh, available kind of pick. And I think we saw a lot of that from Joe Douglas. And that door is really opened by nailing those first three picks and filling those critical needs where now you can just add talent and add so much of it that Zach Wilson will, you know, have a lot to work with in year two. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, a, I'm a very big fan of the pick just because – the help he'll provide to Wilson is is huge just because he's – I think he's truly a very special prospect that's on the level of, like, prospects like Jonathan Taylor, even Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, and Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's that kind of guy. He broke the college football record, which has stood since 1970 for most consecutive uh, rush uh, touchdowns in, in college football, 24. 1970. So that's been for a very long time. He had 46 total touchdowns over the last two years. That's more than any any recent running back prospect I was able to find. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, none of them could uh, boast that. He was a two-time uh, team captain, two-time All-American. And to top it all off to go with uh, – I believe is three over three thousand yards and forty six total touchdowns in two years. He also had one of the the sixth highest athletic score since two thousand three. So he is just, as you're saying, he does he's good at everything. Some people try to label him as just a power back or just a 
just a home run hitter because he has four three nine speed, but he does everything. He has excellent. He has very good power. He has very good balance. He's very patient, and he's he's extremely elusive. Something that I was very impressed about. He actually uh, this past season he had a higher force miss tackle rate than Michael Carter did at UNC. Hmm. So there's there's nothing in his game that you could say he is not excellent at so i love the pick and also just the benefit i the how i see him helping out the jets offense just he's a player that i believe could be a top five top 10 running back in the nfl but also i think the combination of him and michael carter could also be one of the best just i would not be shocked to see in just their first year together for them to go for over 2500 scrimmage yards and 15 touchdowns yeah, I mean that's it's a lot of a lot of talent in that running back room, and I mean ultimately this offense is really a run first offense, and you see that with that pick. Like we, I think the goal with the Jets is they're just gonna try and run people down, and I mean if I'm an opposing linebacker, like if I'm on defense, I do not want to be tackling uh, Brees Hall and Michael Carter all game because it's already hard to when you're feeling fresh. But I mean fourth quarter, like those guys are just able to they're slippery they're powerful and yeah I think they could have a really big year as a tandem yeah especially with uh where the Jets offensive line is those linebackers may not may not even have the opportunity to tackle them because we have overall I'd say we have four above average linemen four of them are very very good run blockers Mackay Becton we just turn on the tape you the speculation has been driving me nuts, and at some point I will talk about it on this podcast in great detail. But he's a dominant player, makes other NFL players look like children when he just tosses them. Elijah Veritaker was a dominant run blocker in year one. Connor McGovern is an above-average run blocker, above-average center. Lakin Tomlinson, the past two years, he's been one of the best one of the best guards in the NFL and is also a dominant run blocker. George Font is the only player that is, he's a below average run blocker, but he makes up for it just with his, uh, his exquisite pass protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm definitely excited to see how that O-line shapes up, you know, throughout camp. Cause uh, I don't want to get too off topic, but you have AVT moving over to right guard. Tomlinson siding in at his natural position at left guard. Um, which I think just pays homage to the AVT trade-up and how he's so integral because he's able to play both sides of the line. Yeah, um, he was that played by right tackle in college. Yeah, that makes this process a lot easier. And then, you know, you have the, the uh, left tackle competition between Fant and Becton, and I'm excited to see how that how that goes because, I mean, I love Becton too. I'm thinking he'll probably win it, but he was getting – he was getting beat pretty often by Carl Lawson and I know it's just camp and I know it's sort of comes down to like a little bit of a mismatch, but I'm just excited to see him come back healthy. We saw, I think that was a video of him the other day doing some pass sets and he looks fit and strong and ready to come back and just, you know, put away all the noise. Yeah. I'd say I expect uh, Beckton to win the left tackle job as well. The my honestly, my biggest question is just, what will they do? Because we saw with George Font, he's a significantly better left tackle than he is a right tackle, where I think Becton would have less of a drop-off. So I could, on, even if uh, I'd say Becton could, would be the better left tackle, I think they may be able to, you know, get a better, they, the play at tackle may be better if Becton's at right and Font stays left where he's better at. Yeah, definitely. Um so that takes us now. We have um, Sauce at four, Garrett Wilson at 10, Jermaine Johnson on a trade-up at 26, and now Brees Hall at 36. And Four so, players that – just want to say real quick, four players that were pretty much a consensus uh, top 20 to top 30 players in this draft. Yeah, all, and I, th- I think it was um, – they're all in the Jets' top 18 of the board. Yeah, they're in uh, the Jets' top 18, and I believe all of them were uh, – I believe all of them were in the top 28 on the Cowboys board. They had Wilson 
Honestly, something I liked a lot, the Cowboys had Garrett Wilson rated as is either the fourth or fifth best prospect. Gardner, Gardner and Wilson were the fourth and fifth best prospects. I'm forgetting. I can't remember which one was which. Yeah, that's but, I saw that. They, uh, oh, yeah, Jones. Wilson, Wilson was four and Gardner was five. Brees Hall was 19 and Jermaine Johnson was the 28th. So just the the team that has drafted Michael Gallup and then C.D. Lamb, two of the Gallup's a good wide receiver. C.D. Lamb is quickly becoming one of the best in the NFL. And Amal Gardner, they draft they just drafted Trayvon Diggs, who while I don't I'm not a huge fan of Trayvon Diggs, I will not deny that he is a very talented corner. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see a team that just so recently drafted two two very impactful young players had two of the players the Jets selected as the top players at their position. Without a doubt. And so now we move on to pick 101, which came back in the Jermaine Johnson trade-up. Um, third on selection. And I think this was really also another unexpected pick. Um, the Jets go uh-huh. tight end Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State. The Long Island kid. Um, and I mean... I love the yeah, pick. I didn't see them going tight end after, you know, signing Uzom and Conklin, but I mean, he, he's, he's also a really great prospect who can, you know, he can catch, although he's kind of been underutilized, but he's just a fantastic blocker and is really exactly what this offense needs as a, just a do it all tight end. Yeah. You know, he makes a, I agree. I was, I was a bit surprised they went tight end, but I, I did expect them to take one at some point and, I feel Jeremy Rucker just made too, was too good of a player and made too much sense to not to not be selected because you're right he uh, was underutilized as a receiver and but he uh, definitely delivered when called upon he had a 132 pass rating when targeted only two drops in his career 55 percent catch rate 12 touchdowns on only three tar- on only 73 targets and uh, he averaged more touchdowns per reception. More touch touchdowns per reception than uh, George Kittle did in a similarly underused role. So I just I'm very excited to have him because I said he's all he is a great run blocker. He's a very he handled he handled very good pass rushers on his own and is also great in the run game. So I I very much like the pick. I was upset that he didn't run the forty because I wanted to see what just where his athleticism is to see you know how high that ceiling could be as a receiver but I think he's a very good pick and it just makes an absolutely great trio with uh, Uzma Conklin and uh, now Ruckert went from one of the weakest positions on the Jets to arguably one of the best yeah totally I mean it was you know three brand new guys brought in this year and all three guys who are you know, very talented. You've got two proven starters. Like Uzama is kind of just a good, just a good receiving tight end, good after the catch. We saw that, you know, throughout the playoffs and the Bengals, you know, Super Bowl run where the, you know, they ultimately fell short, but he was definitely part of that success. Um, Conklin, who is, I think a very, I think he's definitely the tight end one on this team. He is very underrated in my eyes. Like he is very shifty. He's great hands, and for a tight end, I think he has great route running. Sorry, I cut out there, but yeah, no, I I agree. Conklin was uh, very, very underrated. Um, I I agree. A lot of people still say see uh, CJ Uzuma as the tight end one, which I could believe why he he is very good after the catch. Had ten missed uh ten missed tackle forced missed tackles, which was eighth among tight ends. 298 uh, yards after the catch, 6.1 yards after the catch per reception, all top top 11 uh, marks among tight ends, despite not being not being up there in total receiving yards. He's one of only five tight ends that had over six yards after the catch per reception, 10 missed tackles, joining uh, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, uh, Rob Gronkowski, and Dallas Goddard. So you know, very good company in uh, mm-hmm. in that regard. He's a definitely dynamic. You know, Al Conklin, as you said, just all around good player. 
He's a very solid blocker, actually. He has a great highlight that uh, Joe Blue posted of him going one-on-one with Chandler Jones, giving him enough time for a 60-yard touchdown pass. So he, I'm very excited with both of them. Both of them. He's an underrated athlete as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so good. I mean, just like continuing to add on offense by Joe Douglas, and you can't really fault him. Um, especially because, you know, this offense coming in last year was rumored to, you know, they like to use multiple tight ends. And that is obviously difficult when you're marching out Daniel Brown and Ryan Griffin, who are not good at all. So, you know, they really put in the capital and the time to invest in this position, which, I mean, it helps everybody. It helps Zach, um, it helps the offensive line, it helps the running backs. Like, it just, it's, it's just a very important position and I'm very happy that they put in a lot thoughtful effort into overhauling the position because I think it'll pay dividends uh, this year yeah I agree as well they tried to sign Tyler Croft last year but he disappointed when he was healthy and spent a lot of time hurt too so it didn't work out but the the two tight ends are extremely important just for the Shanahan scheme the 49ers run it the most and you see the success they have they're one of the most dominant uh running teams and overall one of the most dominant offenses in the NFL and they've been and they've been doing it with different running backs different wide receivers with different quarterbacks and they've still been able to get the job done so it's just I'm very excited to we saw a lot of the creativity from uh, Mike LaFer once, especially once he went up into the booth in the second half of the season. But just to also be able to go back to what what he uh, was to the scheme that he came from, and to be able to implement that in our playbook as well, I think having that, being able to run those plays is a huge boost, and just the versatility of this offense is huge now. All right, so then we move into. Round four, 10 picks later at pick 111. Um, we think this pick was seen coming, um, maybe not the prospect, but they go offensive tackle Max Mitchell out of Louisiana Lafayette, who was really good in a, in a smaller conference, but I mean, 13 pressures over 859 snaps at right tackle, um, and even pro football focus had him as the highest graded tackle in the nation which, you know, you take with a grain of salt, smaller conference, he's he's not going up against the premier rushers. But, I mean, for the swing tackle role that he will provide, he can play both sides. I think it was a really good pick, and he was a need. And I think, you know, with Morgan Moses on the way out, he could assume that role nicely. He's going to need a little bit of development, but I, it was a great pick. I, it was a need. I, I really liked it. I agree. I was a huge fan of uh, this pick. I didn't. I agree. I didn't know much about him either. And yeah, people, a lot of people were expecting uh, the Jets to draft an offensive lineman. There's, as we mentioned, there's even a conversation of taking one at four. But uh, Jets ended up waiting and got a very good prospect. PFF had him uh, as the 88th ranked prospect. So this is actually, of their Jets picks, this is probably their their favorite because, yes, he was very good, dominated in a smaller conference. He uh, struggled a bit during uh, the Senior Bowl. Uh, Jermaine Johnson actually gave him uh, fits in practice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, very good player. Very versatile as well. He could play both tackle spots. Even in uh, some games, he would switch between left and right tackle throughout the game, which was ridiculous. But so it worked out very well there. And he could also play the interior as well. So just kind of. He's a pick that just makes sense for what uh, what Joe Douglas likes. Just a high-character, intelligent guy that is extremely versatile. Mm-hmm. I think he brings excellent depth to the team. He Very good size at a 6'6", six, 3'7". Six, Honestly, I, I get some uh, Truma Idoga vibes from him just because Idoga – Idugo is a very uh, much better athlete, but both were very highly rated by PFF. Just both of them needed need to put on strength. That's uh, Mitchell's one of Mitchell's biggest issues right now. He tested poorly, but overall he moves very well on tape. But he definitely struggles with power. Yeah, so definitely, obviously, not someone you want to be marching out week one. But I think you know over the a couple of years he could really go into that role nicely. 
And I mean, for a fourth round pick, like if you can get your third tackle who could maybe develop into like a fine starter in a few years, like that's, that's great value. It's, yeah. And especially with like um, the past couple of years, Jets have had a lot of dart throws in the later rounds. Like a common theme was this was staying put at these, you know, more premium picks and just taking the best player there. And, you know, he, he was a great player and they, they clearly liked him a lot. And now he's, he's coming aboard and I'm definitely excited to see what he can grow into on this team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely excited. I actually, I, I mix up which uh, Jets draft pick I was thinking of when I was uh, thinking of Matt, Max Mitchell is actually more of a Cameron Clark from uh, the first draft, just, uh, just a player from a smaller conference, but who dominated in that ca- conference. I had a lot of expectations for Clark. Uh, Unfortunately, a neck injury forced him to retire before uh, he ever ended up playing a snap. But I, I uh, am very excited by the player that the Jets select, and I think he's definitely someone that offers a lot of upside. And then we come to the last pick of their uh, 2022 draft. Um, like another unexpected pick, but I mean, I don't know about you, but the more I read about this guy, the more fired up I get. Um, which would be uh, Michael Clemens, the defensive end from Texas A&M. Um, he's definitely older. I believe he played five seasons in college. Um, but, I mean, he really started to break out this last year. Um, 11 TFLs, seven sacks, uh, and two deflections, <laughs> even a scoop and score. Um he he's definitely a very talented prospect. And then you start to read about, you know, some of the off-field issues. He did have a couple of arrests, nothing violent. I think it was, like, expired driver's license, um, like a very small marijuana possession charge. Yeah, um, so nothing the... like – nothing DeAndre Baker, like armed robbery, something very yeah. scary. Yeah, there's – I believe it was uh, two incidences of uh, driving without a license and one incident of a possession of, uh, I believe, is marijuana, which, you know, now no one cares anymore. But Yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's become more of a, more prominent in the NFL world. But it's I, – I mean, it doesn't bother me too much. It's, it's one thing if he's has these, you know, very troubling rests, but it seems like he's just, you know – making mistakes but I mean as we know Joe Douglas likes to draft these high character guys but you look at Clemens and he doesn't seem like it so I kind of have faith in the pick I don't think they would have taken him if he hadn't you know seemed like he turned a new like turned to the next chapter Um, like clearly he showed up well enough I don't know if they used a I don't think they used a 30 visit on him or like if um he had any sort of interview with them, but clearly they they like the player and there's a lot to like. And I think if he can iron out those off-field issues, he could be a very, very dangerous rotational piece in this edge room, which they yeah. just continue to add to. Yeah, he's definitely a very – he's a very interesting player. I agree. I was, I was surprised at first just with his off-the-field issues, just considering how much uh, Douglas has emphasized character. But from hearing him talk, just hearing him talk about the incidences, he does seem to be someone like that, you know, made mistakes and is trying to make up for him. Has, but, and also, I was very, I'm very happy to hear that uh, apparently Carl Lawson is planning on taking him under his wing, and uh, you know, help guide him and be a good mentor for him, which I feel is kind of perfect. Just because, A, with the character concerns, a mentor like Lawson will, you know, just help keep him straight and just kind of help also just Carl Lawson's an extremely hard worker earlier in the draft process. They actually said Carl Lawson would have had, would interview with some of these players. So maybe that played a role. I know the Jets defensive coordinator, Jeff Aldrich, appeared very excited when the Jets made this selection. So he may have had a call on it as well. But, uh, you know, he's definitely an interesting player. Has very good measurables, 6'5", 270, really good length, long arms, and some impressive stats, as he said. He actually led, uh, I believe, is the SEC in, uh, in pressures. He even beating out uh, the second overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson, and beating out uh, who, 
someone who's projected as the number one pick next year, or at the very least the top three, Will Anderson, who from Alabama, put two of the best edge rushers in college football. Michael Clemens actually asked towards Wolf. Alabama, when they played him, they immediately they quickly realized that they had to double team him. And the one play that uh they did not, he got a strip sack. Or at the yeah. very least a sack. He, he made a big play. So he's yeah. someone I'm he's someone I'm watching. I agree. He definitely did not pop up on my radar before the draft. But the more and more I look into him, the more excited I am. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just all about just more and more talent with all these premium picks. And I kind of like this change of approach this year from, you know, Douglas and Sala because Joe was obviously a guy that was moving around in previous drafts and especially training back and just accumulating more of those sort of dart throw day three picks. But not not this year. It was a lot of, you know, stay put, take the guy you love the most. And I think it worked out for them. Yeah, I think it's a. I think there's a few things, just like kind of what you said. The Jets in uh, the previous drafts they had uh, some of the most picks and got gone art some of the most snaps out of the players that they uh, selected. I think they they took uh, I believe twelve total players in the last two drafts. I mean, no, it's definitely more. But they they took a lot of players. And so with those, they filled out the roster. The Jets have one of the youngest rosters in the NFL now. After, you know, two years of throwing the darts, making waiver claims, signing undrafted free agents, the Jets have pretty good depth. And now it's it's about that premium talent. It's We need those top-end players to get us over the top because we have a lot of good players. We have some players that could be very good or great players, but right now we don't have anyone to, you know, light the fire and elevate the team. And I think that's what he did. He took he got his favorite corner on the board, his favorite wide receiver, his favorite defensive end, and his favorite running back. And he traded up for two just before they're gonna get picked because he thought they he saw them as the best player to A fill a need and, you know, were just the best players available. Yeah, and it's gonna be all about impact. Um like immediate impact because you have Zach Wilson coming in a year two um, and you really want to get the ball rolling while he's on that rookie, that rookie deal. And, you know, you, you've really given them if you're Joe Douglas, no, not many excuses. Yep. Excuses are starting to run out for both Zach Wilson and Joe Douglas. As much as uh, we like both of them, it's been three of the some. It's on the worst uh, few years of Jets football ever, and we need to be better than this. So, guys, start actually winning games. There's no more of this feel-good progress. But uh, that's all for today. So, uh, thank you for tuning in, and got a jet.